Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, and I'm joined via a prison communication system by Ryan, who, uh, Ryan, you, you got into a little bit of a spat this week, I would say. You've described it as a spat, and there's only so much we can say legally, but um, you were involved with uh, the uh, the family member of, we will say, a famous United States political figure, and it has landed you, unfortunately, in prison. Uh, so we, we were joined by you now uh, from federal prison. What, what do you have to really, what do you have to say for yourself after this, this past week of, we'll say, bad publicity on your, on your, uh, on your end? Well, look, I mean, obviously, uh, Congresswoman Pelosi has a responsibility to fix college football playoff, mm-hmm. and she has been derelict in her duties and not doing so. And, you know, who will be the voice of change if not me? Yeah. Um, if I can't take the responsibility, who will be? And also, you know what? I don't do all that lat work for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, you know, get, get jacked just for nothing. I'm, you know, man's got to swing a hammer once or, once or two in his life. Yeah. You know, like, I'm... <laughs> There's, there's no there's no trees around me to chop. Like I might as well swing a hammer. Uh-huh. I mean, come on, I'm from Pittsburgh, yeah. baby. Like I'm yeah. I'm from a still middle town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what did you guys think I was doing here at the gym? Trading, trading. I was training my hammer, swinging muscles. Come on. <laughs> Sometimes you have to be the change that you want to see in the world. You have to take some things into your own hands, including in in some cases a hammer. Sometimes you have to take a hammer into your hands, and that's a. Uh, that's my client's official statement on the matter, and that's all we're going to be saying about it at this point. Um, Ryan, we've got a uh, we've got a, a weird week of college football here to preview for the for the FBI watch list. It starts pretty slow. Noon specifically is awful, um, but then you get into afternoon, you get into evening, and there's there's so much there's so much football to watch. There's so much football yeah. that I think is is interesting or compelling or meaningful or all three in some cases. Um, I think it's pretty good. I think it's a pretty good slate. I'm, I'm excited for it. We also, um, we won't preview Mac games here because the show will go up after they have already been played, but also Maction this week, the return of, of Mac weeknight games, which is always good. Um, I'm, I'm excited. We're, we're in sort of the home stretch. We're in the part of the year that you, I, I believe, describe as, as sort of the, the football Valhalla, basically, where we, we have like a football game pretty much every day for what is it like the next month, basically. Yeah, I did. I post the math somewhere on social media or website or whatever, but uh, maybe it's, I think it's like 27 consecutive days. Let's go. Um, it's it's pretty long this year. Yeah, it's a really good stretch. We're, we're into it now. Yeah, um, we are. We are in the meat of this thing. There's games happening right now as we're recording. Um, we're not going to tell you which ones because mm-hmm. it's secret and we're we're recording at a secret time and location <laughs> and um, with secret equipment. Yeah. Um, we're on a, a hard encrypted network. Mm-hmm. Um, so the authorities can't get a hold of these communications. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, there's. Don't worry. There's football happening. Well, and usually, when you record on a on a line that you don't want the authorities to get a hold of, you do then want to uh, post it publicly. You do. You do then want to post that audio. Uh, however many days later, again, undisclosed date, undisclosed location, undisclosed time. You do want to make that audio public, just so that you know, for the for the sake of uh, of transparency. Um, yeah, but uh, this uh, this is. I, I, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this week. I think it's going to be good and and you mentioned uh there that you might have put it on the website now what website is that i'm familiar with some websites i've i've been looking into websites i've learned a lot about websites but uh what website specifically would that have been on oh well that's made at midfield.com baby that's mm. the internet's number one college football website um we're home to uh several famous contributors you may know uh paul pelosi mm-hmm. uh randy rainbow 
um, co-host of the Doughboys, uh, yeah. uh, Mike Mitchell and, and Nick Weiger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the new home of Stavros Helke after he left Comtown. He's now doing a college football podcast with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Vietnamese guy that Mark Wahlberg beat up works mm-hmm. for us. We have Mark Wahlberg um, as well. They've made amends. <laughs> we have Mark Wahlberg. They're actually doing a really cool podcast yeah. on, on the history of CIA involvement in Southeast Asia yeah. and like how the Golden Triangle comes from that. It's pretty interesting. It kind of Boston's ties to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's, it's also yeah, sort I, of, it's that, but it's also kind of a meditation on the importance of uh, forgiveness, which is really cool. Really, really glad that we got those guys doing that. Have you, just real quick, uh, you've probably seen this because I know that you are all, you are a, a big Boogie Nights fan. Have you seen Mark Wahlberg's quotes about Boogie Nights, <laughs> about his involvement in Boogie Nights? Uh, no. I oh my god. Okay, let me <laughs> let me see if I can find this exact quote on the fly here real quick because it is unbelievably funny. Um he so he is uh I, I guess in the years since a born again Christian, maybe he was at the time and just didn't I I don't know whatever it was. Um but he said something along the lines of the quote was I hope God forgives me for being in boogie nights, which is <laughs> Very good. Just a That's very so good funny. thing to say. I know uh, Burt Reynolds also hated being a Boogie Nights fan. Awesome. Uh, yeah. he, hate, he hated Paul Thomas Anderson. I thought he was like a little twerp, um, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. I love that fucking movie. I love yeah, that movie so that, much. That is a, we should, I mean, a great this movie. is just, we're just doing, we're just ripping off Bill Simmons content right now, but we should eventually do like college football teams as Boogie Nights characters. That'd be a fun podcast episode. Yeah. In the off season. Yeah. Here, so um, it says here, this is an Indie Wire headline. It says Mark Wahlberg explains the real reason he asked God to forgive him for Boogie Nights. <laughs> man, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, there is a um, on on the Burt Reynolds thing. There is a strong uh, history of like old established actors just absolutely hating the bizarre directors who get a hold of them. Like, um, oh, who's the old guy on uh, in 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 Royal Tenenbaums who just absolutely fucking despised Wes Anderson and uh, and Bill Murray had to like protect him from the bullying that he was getting. Oh, Gene Hackman. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one of the greatest actors to ever live. Yeah, yeah, it was just horrible to him, which is just, it's it's a, a small price to pay if you're one of those directors. You're going to have to get bullied a little bit by some of the some of the older actors. It's, uh, it's part of the deal, frankly. And if you don't have that, then you are not going to be battle-tested. You're not going to be ready to go. Um, that's sort of what this show is all about as well. It's, it's sort of bullying for the sake of uh, iron sharpening iron, really. We're... we're when we're mean, it's because we care. It's because we want these programs to get better. It's, we, it's because we want these coaches to take a long look in the mirror and then uh, maybe pull a 45 out of a drawer uh, and do what needs to be done. So <laughs> Thursday, <laughs> November 3rd, Guantanamo Bay game is App State at Coast Carolina, 7.30 on ESPN. Big game for the Sun Belt East, which remains completely wide open. It, it doesn't seem like anybody really wants to win it. Um, Coastal is still the odds-on favorite and... and has control of its destiny and should be able to win the division like logically speaking but i i don't believe in either of these teams and so i'm really interested to watch this game because i think it's going to be one very entertaining very good football but two uh i don't know what to expect at all i have no idea i I, it almost feels like one of those that's going to be a blowout but i just don't know which direction it will be a blowout in yeah, um, maybe. I don't know. I think, I think, I know App was favored this game. It's fairly bizarre to me, but I think Coastal yeah. probably bounces back and wins this. Um, App has just not been a very, I mean, obviously, they're one of the most talented teams in the conference. They've not been a very disciplined team this season. And I yeah. think Coastal is uh, not the same thing as a, 
uh, as an as an uh, service academy team, but it's certainly you know good enough at their system to make you pay yeah. uh, if you are not gap sound, if you're not disciplined, if you're not staying home. And I don't think we've seen that much from App State this season. Uh, I think Coastal finds a way to pull away and win this game. Yeah, I'm I'm interested. I'm I'm interested in seeing it. I would agree that I think Coastal is is you know it, it probably should be favored. That they aren't is a little bit strange. They do have a couple injury issues, but none significant enough that would make me think that. Um, but regardless, this is always a fun matchup. This is always it's it's um, it's a cool clash of styles. It's always an important game. I don't think that it's a rivalry, but it definitely has a lot of heat on it every year. Um, I uh, I like this. I'll I'll watch this one. I'm I don't know how I feel about it being a weeknight game. I get, I like that there are good weeknight games, and so I I don't mind it, but. Um, it, it does feel like maybe it deserves a little bit bigger billing because of how important this game has been traditionally and how important it probably will be this year. But um, consistently very good matchup. Excited to see the scheme battle. Excited to see what the coaches have here. It is one of those where they usually have pretty good uh, pretty good plans for playing each other. They're, they're pretty familiar at this point. Um, most wanted, just going to breeze past this one, but mention it. UTEP at Rice, 7 p.m. on CBSSN. Um, it's a bowl game battle. It's it's uh, winner is going to be sort of in the driver's seat to qualify for postseason play. The loser is going to be in kind of a tough spot with uh, with regards to postseason play. UTEP is four and five. Rice is four and four. Um, not uh, a whole lot else to say about it. Not important for the CUSA or anything, but a uh, important for these teams. Important for for their uh, their postseason aspirations, especially UTEP, which really. <laughs> because of that four and five record, cannot afford a whole lot more losing, and this is a winnable game for them. Um, anything? Mm, just on... one, actually. Just one more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much, uh, pretty small margin for error, I would say. And this is a winnable game, even if it is on the road, uh, especially because Rice just lost to Charlotte by like a hundred and fifty points, and so <laughs> it's not, it's yeah. not impossible. It's not impossible. Rice does. I'll, I'll, okay, I said I was going to breeze past this. I will mention this briefly. Rice does some interesting things on offense. If you have not seen them play yet this year, you should check them out. Uh, Friday, November 4th, Guantanamo Bay game, and also the only game worth watching. Oregon State at Washington, 10.30 on ESPN2. Very strange that this game is when it is when it is on a Friday night, uh, this late on a Friday night, but good game. Yeah, terrible, honestly. The Pac-12 is just, I, I mean, I know they just got their, they're about to come to TV deal or whatever, but like, they have got to get some better time slots, man. Like, they have yeah. to do something for themselves here. This would be a great Friday night game. A lot of people will watch this if it was at a regular time. Yeah, yeah. Putting it at 1030 just does not, doesn't make any sense. There's nothing to compete with. There's no reason that you couldn't make this game like a 730 game. I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand why they did this. It's it's been like this all year with the Pac-12 with the time slots, but then also when they have a normal time slot, they're on the fucking network that you don't you know that you don't have. I just I don't understand it. I don't understand. They have two six and two teams here. They have two really fun, interesting offenses. They have two teams that I think match up really well. That I think is is a, a, another one of those clash of styles, um, but. Nobody's going to be awake to watch it except for like us. Like I'll stay up and watch this one. It's not that late for me. I'm I'm on Mountain Time, baby. But I I don't think that a lot of people are going to watch this, despite the fact that it includes two really interesting, fun to watch teams. It's just uh, it's a bummer. It's a bummer from a league that really. I think the teams in the conference deserve better than they are getting from the conference. Yeah, I actually have plans regarding hot Latinas in my local area, so I will be unavailable, but it's cool that you're going to have time to watch. Uh-huh. Yeah, doesn't love ball. That's what I'm hearing there. Saturday, November 5th at <laughs> noon, Guantanamo Bay game is 
reflection of the noon slate because it's Texas Tech at TCU on Fox. Uh, listen, we have made very clear <laughs> our stance on TCU, our, our public posture regarding the Horned Frogs. Um, do you think it would happen here? Do you think it will happen here that TCU, hmm. the, the rent finally comes due? Or do they, can they keep this going for at least another week? I mean, crazier things have happened, right? I believe Bill Connolly had a stat in his SP Plus that Texas Tech is like the most wildly unpredictable team yeah. uh, in his rankings. I think they like overperformed by something like uh, 37 points two weeks ago from like what they were yeah. expected to do and underperformed by like 18 points in the last week. Like just yeah. taking wild swings uh, based on what we're expecting from them every week, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of who they are, right? They're just an unpredictable team. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I, I, would, I don't think I would they're going to win. That. No, I would agree with that sentiment that Texas Tech is, is a little bit out of control because you look at just their last uh, five games here, starting with the the earliest back in September, uh, beat Texas at home, went on the road at Kansas State, very nearly beat them, lost by nine, went on the road in the following week at Oklahoma State, lost by 10, turned around, beat the shit out of West Virginia at home, and then this past weekend, maybe the most bizarre result yet, were just... Uh, crushed by Baylor 45 to 17 Baylor kind of pulls away in the fourth quarter but uh, strange team <laughs> very strange football team I don't know what to think of them they they have I, I think that you could attribute at least some of it to the fact that they just cannot find consistency at quarterback because of injury issues largely which is you can't really blame them for that but that is still a question mark here and so it's just it's really hard to know what to get from these guys it seems like they might have the thing where they show up for big games and so and TCU certainly has the thing where they don't blow anybody out even opponents that they should blow out so like I think it's going to be close I think it could absolutely be a competitive game I think that Texas Tech has the offense to keep it close but it's hard for me to see it's it's hard for me to predict Texas Tech pulling that off just because like you said, yeah. this team just does you can't, there's no rhyme or reason to what this team is doing. I mean, maybe Texas Tech is just like the new Iowa State, though. And since they, they already beat Texas this year, right? In a game they definitely should have lost. Yeah. That's a classic Iowa State performance. Like beat one blue blood in the conference uh, and then ultimately like find one game against a ranked team that's actually been pretty bad, but it's still yeah. going to finish ranked high because they will be scheduled yeah. uh, and beat them too. Like, yeah. so I, I think like this would be Texas Tech basically just having an Iowa State season would be kind of funny, especially because Iowa State's so terrible. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe. I don't know. It's a narrative potential. I'm not buying it, really. Like I I think they're too shitty, but we'll see. Uh, we should get past this game. Though. I, I think ultimately TCU probably finds a way to win. Yeah. Um, you know who also finds a way to win, Patrick? Who's that? Home Field Apparel t-shirts. Mm. Um, and again, I, I mentioned I'm, uh, I, I have some plans with local Latinas in my area. Mm-hmm. That's to celebrate the new uh, Home Field Latina Celebration Collection. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you tell the people a bit about this, Patrick, kind of what they're, what they're trying to help? Yeah, so Home Field Apparel is vintage collegiate apparel. It is, it is uh, the best on the market, best in class. You cannot get better than this. You can drive it right out the garage, and you already know that the shirts are going to uh, get you where you need to go. Um, I uh, I was not privy to this to this collection of which you speak, mm. uh, and I am against it. I would like, <laughs> like to, to be very clear about this. I am very much against it because I am one of those guys who's really anti that sort of thing for some reason. Seems like pr- fairly harmless. I'm not sure why I'm so mad about it, but I am. I'm I'm furious. I think that they should just wear yeah. the damn regular shirts. Why do they need these special jerseys? I don't I don't understand it. Um, but uh, because of it's because of the woke media. Yeah, it's because of the woke media. The woke media is forcing Homefield Apparel to make 
uh, shirts. Um, yeah. So I am personally... Again, uh, shirts about Latinas, just to clarify. Yeah, shirts about Latinas. And so personally, I am going to uh, stick to... There's a... There's a you know, for this game specifically, I'm going to stick to the TCU collection, which is filled with a lot of extremely good stuff, including, but certainly not limited to, a uh, one, of, one of the rare purple sweatshirts. They don't have a lot of purple sweatshirts. There's not a lot of, like, solid color sweatshirts in the collection. A lot of them are gray. A lot of them are sort of that oatmeal color. I have plenty of those, but I have a special affinity for the solid color sweatshirts, and there's a purple TCU one that is just sweet. It is it is extremely good. Um, and if you, uh, like me, are anti- <laughs> their Latinas collection, um, and would still mm-hmm. but would still like to spend some money. Maybe it's your first home field apparel uh, order. You can use the code Meet at Midfield for fifteen percent off. But you can only do that if it's your first order. I want to be very clear about right. this. It has to be your. And, first and don't order. forget, don't forget too. By the way, really quick here that, that that if there is one university that categorically rejects Latinas, it is TCU. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. It's actually in the by- yeah, it's in the bylaws there. You can't be. You can't be that. You have to be something else if you're at TCU. You simply can't be uh, Latina there. They, that's they they ship all of those off to different schools. They don't want them there. It's uh, it's actually very very hateful school. I've 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 seen that uh, said very often that TCU is just a deeply hateful school, and that is of course reflected in the hiring of head coach Sonny Dykes, America's most racist man, uh, trailed uh, very very closely by Ohio State head coach Ryan Day, the two most racist coaches in college football. Yeah. So true. So true. And that was actually my favorite off-season uh, content that The Athletic produced, was their their top 131 <laughs> most racist coaches in college football. It's the, it's the power rankings of which coaches are most racist. Uh, number one yeah. may shock you. Uh, it's Sonny Dykes. I just I just spoiled it, but it's uh, it's Sonny Dykes. So if you support... Yeah, and then it's Bruce Feldman has been having a sister article. It's like... <laughs> who, has, who has potential to be the most freakishly anti-Semitic among their... <laughs> The assistant coaching staffs. 30, 30 <laughs> under 30 rising racists in college football. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, has, who has the highest ceiling? <laughs> this could be a generational racist right here. This guy graduated from Auburn. He spent four years as a GA at Ole, at Ole Miss. Now he's an assistant at Southern Miss. This guy, you you don't even know what he's capable of. You got a quote like, oh, his, his intangibles are off the charts. He's putting in numbers. He's in there 80 hours a week trying to figure out how to make it so that uh, all races except for white people don't get to have uh, food. He's really putting in a lot of work just on his own sort of, <laughs> on his own stuff. He's been studying Urban Meyer's books uh, extensively. Yeah. He will not stop reading Urban Meyer books. Um, he his, is, his nickname uh, in the in the coaching and the coaching meetings is the resegregator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, his players just love him. His players just can't get enough of this guy for, for uh for some reason it's it's hard to know for sure but his uh his potential is off the charts and he's somebody that we're going to be watching very closely moving forward um and uh i guess if you want to do that go to homefieldapparel.com and use the code meet at midfield for 15 percent off your first purchase it uh doesn't support any of the things that we just said let's be very clear about that <laughs> homefield apparel does not endorse any of the things that we say in its ad reads and uh there's probably a season. They, they do unfortunately the endorse us, and they have given us carte blanche to say whatever we want on these yeah. athletes. So, yeah. yeah, unfortunately for them, there it's too late now. Truly, one uh, of the worst business decisions <laughs> you could possibly make, <laughs> just letting us say whatever we want, because it's pretty much always just going to be this. Um, <laughs> it's pr- 
pretty much just this. It's never going to be an actually like good ad. It's just uh, oh, Sonny Dykes is anti-Latinas. Like that's going to be that's usually what it is. <laughs> um, most wanted Iowa at Purdue on FS1. I don't care about this, but um, I, yeah, I don't care about this. What is the what's the deal here? Yeah, uh, what game? I, I wasn't even listening. What game did you just bring up? Iowa and Purdue. It's a fitting, a fitting introduction for Iowa okay. Purdue. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, well, look, I mean, it matters for the uh, for the Big Ten uh, conference title race uh, yeah. in the sense that it matters for the Big Ten West division race, which kind of matters to the Big Ten overall conference title a little bit. Does it? Um, does it matter for that? Because it seems like Illinois is just going to win. It seems like Illinois is well, just going to win. Purdue. I mean, if Illinois loses, then Illinois. Is just going to win yeah pretty much but if uh if purdue wins then it's end up a very good game the following weekend between purdue and illinois which basically will decide the outcome mm-hmm. uh, on the other hand uh yeah if iowa wins here it's just going to be uh it's going to be illinois going 10 and 2 and then like five teams that go seven and five which is yeah. really funny yeah that is um, good personally i am i am pro anything that gets illinois to win the division so i am pulling strongly here for iowa um because i really really i really want illinois to go to the rose bowl i think it would be really good for Brett Bielema to get to go to the rose bowl uh no fly list we got four games here I mean, you're not going to miss these because you're going to sit down and watch college football. That's what you do. If you listen to this podcast, you listen to, you watch college football. Um, but like, there's not a much, there's not a whole lot going on at noon. Maybe just watch the Texas tech TCU game and see if, uh, see if anything interesting is happening in any of these games, starting with air force at army, 1130 AM on CBS, uh, Florida at Texas A&M on ESPN, Minnesota at Nebraska on ESPN2, and Maryland at Wisconsin on the Big Ten Network. Uh, anything here catching your eye? Anything, uh, 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 I don't know what another phrase for catching your eye would be. Really catching your eye? Getting getting, uh, getting your interest? Uh, no. No, not really. Air Force and <laughs> Army, I guess, might be kind of interesting. Those games are no. always, always fun for me uh. personally. And it starts before everything else, which is nice. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Florida Texas A and M has some chance to be one of the most just ang- one of the most angry tweeted games of all oh, time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's um, the, I that one caught my eye just because I, it feels like these teams have never played. It's like, and I know that that's you know a, a thing that is talked about a lot is how the SEC divisions right. seem like they don't ever produce several games. Like it just it doesn't seem like some of these teams ever play. This one specifically, and I'm sure that they played like last year and I just don't remember it, but it does not feel like these two play very often. I I, I do not remember seeing Florida, Texas A&M very frequently. Yeah, I'm pulling up the history in this one because I'm curious uh, when the last time... It was probably, when was the last time Florida went to Texas A&M? Um, oh, it's been a while since they've gone to Texas well, A&M, I, certainly. <laughs> uh, well, I guess, sorry, the last time this game was played at Texas A&M was actually 2020 because the pandemic year and they had the all-SEC schedule. Cool. Okay. Uh, before that, it was in 2012. Awesome. Which is before they joined the SEC. So this is the... <laughs> so the pandemic schedule was totally reshuffled. This is the first time... I Since think Texas A&M joined the SEC. I think they were in the, the SEC in 2012, right? I think that was the year that they joined. 
Is it? Okay. Yeah. Regardless, it's been a while. It has it has been a minute. Yeah. Um so I guess that's in the last cool uh, in the last 44 years this will be their fourth game. Awesome. Uh same conference. You, you wouldn't know it from <laughs> looking at them. <laughs> but same conference. Um I'm also kind of interested in Maryland Wisconsin for similar reasons. It feels like these two don't play very often. Uh and also this is the exact kind of game that Maryland likes to lose. So we'll uh we'll keep an eye on that. It seems like mm, seems like maybe I'm not buying may, all that. maybe people a little bit <laughs> Maybe people getting a little bit too excited about Maryland, and they're going to have to take the. Uh... I just want to ask you something, by the way, before I before I edited your your list here, mm-hmm. you had Minnesota Nebraska in the most wanted spot. Why? Why did you pick that one? I think it might just be fun. I don't. None of these games are going to be good or important, and so I thought it might just be kind of interesting. You have yeah. two two offenses that are capable enough. Um, Nebraska's offense against Minnesota's defense is kind of okay. It's not. It's slim pickings here. I I, I didn't yeah. feel great about any of these. Um, this is truly a terrible news. Like this is definitely one of the most like uh, you can come back for the second half of these games, and even maybe just the fourth quarter of these games, and skip the rest of this window. Like you don't have to watch any of this. Yeah, and like uh, we don't endorse that sort of behavior as we have established before. No, of course you, we'll be watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you need to, it is uh, this is the week to do it. I guess if you for some reason have noon on Saturday obligations, classic time to have obligations. Um, you can uh, do that. You can take care of those. So afternoon here, yeah. um, and Ryan, I'm going to put this up to you because I don't have a preference. Do you want to start with the game that we're going to talk about for 20 minutes, or do you want to talk about all of the other afternoon games and then circle back around to what I have dubbed here the Abu Ghraib game of the century of the week, which is Tennessee, Georgia? Let's do the other games first because I think some of these will get through relatively quickly and some will linger on too, and then we'll get into Tennessee, Georgia. Yeah, so we will circle back around to Tennessee, Georgia. It's that famous business method of putting the best stuff last, which always works. Too. Yeah, it always works. Well, listen, you're already in the fucking podcast. What are you going to do? You're going to leave? <laughs> you're going to turn off the podcast? No. Guantanamo Bay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Guantan- oh, you're doing your little you're doing your little three by eight of lap pull downs the yeah. way that a baby could do? Yeah. Shut up. Oh, you're doing this the, is the fucking podcast. Yeah, oh, well, you're doing the dishes and you're not going to have a podcast going on? You can't do that. It's not allowed. Yeah, you can't sit in silence for a second. You're no. you're, what are you, you're driving to Culver's right now. You're yeah. driving to Culver's to get yourself a little shake. Yeah. Uh, you're getting a little shake because you think you deserve a treat. You don't deserve the treat. You deserve this podcast. <laughs> Guantanamo Bay game is Oklahoma <laughs> State at Kansas, 3.30 on FS1. Seems like Kansas might have Jalen Daniels here. It, it, he has been working his way back. He was dressed for their last game, did not play. Um, if, if Kansas has Jalen Daniels, this is a very interesting game to me. If not, then... It's it's not as interesting, but it seems like Kansas, there is a chance that Jalen Daniels will play here, and if he does, this is suddenly a really good game. This is this is a very exciting game, and I think would be worth, uh, worth paying attention to, worth keeping an eye on, even if it is absolutely not the main screen game. There is one main screen game here, and honestly, you probably could just keep it tuned to that, but if Kansas is somewhere closer to healthy, um, it would be it would be really, really interesting to watch this game. If I were uh, Kansas, I would not play Jalen Daniels because I think Oklahoma State is about to have like one of the all-time cataclysmic revenge games on the docket here. Okay. <laughs> uh, not in the sense they're getting revenge against Kansas, but they just got their ass kicked so bad they were so embarrassed last week mm-hmm. that they are just going to unleash absolute hell uh, upon Kansas this week. That's kind of my expectation. I, I, if I were Kansas, I would just chalk this one up as a loss and, and get healthy for next week. Is there, but, um, is there though, a chance that Oklahoma State uh, does the opposite and just collapses. Is that a possibility that Oklahoma State, having just been so thoroughly tormented across 60 minutes by Kansas State, just dies, just does not want to play anymore, especially if Spencer Sanders is not healthy? Is that a possibility? 
Anything's a possibility. Um, okay. I wouldn't bet on it. I, I think that Oklahoma State's going to win pretty comfortably here. Um, what is the line in this game? I don't have it pulled up right well, now. Well, this is one. Um, this is one that I would imagine is is uh, this is what you would describe as one that yeah. you probably oh, shouldn't gamble on. Um, yeah, two point line. That is. Yeah, well, that's the nasty thing. Nasty work. That's the thing is that nobody knows who the two quarterbacks that will be playing in this game are. You don't. Right. There's not really a, a way a way to know that, and so. Uh, Kansas with Jason Bean against Oklahoma State with uh, Gunner Gundy, I think probably you'd feel pretty good about Kansas. Kansas with Jason Bean against Spencer Sanders, I would feel less good about. Kansas with Jalen Daniels against either of those guys, I would feel pretty good about Kansas still in that case because I think that Kansas is a is a better team than it has shown without Jalen Daniels. Um, I, I think that it, when he comes back, they will maybe not return fully to form, but I think they will be very much a difficult team to deal with in a way that they have not been with Jason Bean. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Who's, um, who's to say? I'm curious to see a playoff. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see a playoff on the field. Uh, speaking of Big 12 games, though, we also have Baylor and Oklahoma at three o'clock. This is an ESPN Plus game. Yeah, um, this is down in the most kinda, wanted section as well. Interesting that this yes. is the that this is the ESPN Plus game because what all of the Big Twelve teams have to have one. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah, they just got their new deal signed. By the way, we should probably talk about that at some point, but yeah. not today. Yeah, um, not my, not my problem. None of my business. Um, yeah, kind of my kind of my deal, I guess. But. Yeah, I don't have a great feel for this. Two teams that have been um, <laughs> kind of a similar. Kind of a similar place this year, I guess, as they have dealt with quarterback injuries, other issues with the maybe defense not showing up in certain games. I don't have a like I said, I don't have a great feel for this one. It's hard for me to split these two. Really, they they feel pretty similar levels of quality. I think Oklahoma is slightly favored, but I uh, I don't know. I think it could go either way. Certainly, I would prefer that Baylor wins, but I don't feel great about that. Yeah, I mean, I I expect Baylor to win. I would say I think they have a better, I think just a, I mean, a better football team this season, right? Like sure. Oklahoma has more talent, um, but I, I don't know. It's it's obviously in Oklahoma. Um, it, the over under this game was only fifty seven and a half, which was very bizarre to me. I'm expecting a lot of points here. Like I feel like this is going to be a shootout. Yeah, yeah. Um, Baylor's defense is I, not I, what it was last year, and Oklahoma's defense is um, apoplectic. It is very bad. Yeah. So I yeah. and specifically the Baylor's secondary is not what they have been. Like they, yeah. they they've played pretty well the last couple of weeks. They only they only give up an average of twenty points the last two weeks against Kansas, Texas Tech. But uh, you know, prior to that, they were giving up points back and you know like nonstop to Oklahoma State, and West Virginia, and everybody yeah. else they played. Like I, I think this defense is um susceptible to some points we'll say that yeah. and also i don't know i think baylor wins but it's going to be a, a shootout for sure um i'm curious to see it also they had a freshman really emerge richard reese uh last week um at running back he was pretty good that was his best game of the season by far he had 148 yards and three touchdowns he's played well all year but um really breakout big game for him curious to see how he looks um against oklahoma uh, overall, it's going to be a fun game. I'm going to keep my eye on this one. Like I said, I probably won't find much time to watch it because of the looming giant of, of Georgia, Tennessee. But yeah. this may be my top flip game. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. I, I, I think that there is a, there's definitely a case to be made for that. I think it'll be entertaining, if nothing else. Um, also, in the most wanted here, Syracuse at Pitt, 330 on ACC Network. Personally, I'm good. I think that these two teams are very bad at this point. I think that Syracuse, with all of its injuries, is really not worth watching. And uh, Pitt hasn't been worth watching all year. And I'm not going to start now. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good on Pitt. Well, you just, but you know that Pitt's going to find a way to get a lead in the third quarter and then somehow still lose by 21 points. Sure. Um, which, which way they managed to do it this week that's that's fun that's fun for the whole family uh we're gonna look forward to that 
Um, we'll see which kind of weird turnovers they produce, um, which stupid play, which players get stupid penalties. Yeah. Um, is it punt coverage? Is it is it is it punt returns? Is it is it you know downfield with the defensive backs? It could be any of them. It could be all of them. You yeah. never know, but you know they're going to do it. So it's great for Syracuse to get right game at Pitt um, that will disappoint and horrify the Pitt fans yeah. um, in some way, shape, or form, but also piss off Syracuse fans too, That which is the perfect kind of game. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and of course, side, uh, yeah. a big congratulations to Pat Narduzzi on building a get-right uh, game team. He's done a really good mm-hmm. job of building a get-right game team. It's uh, He's back. Yeah, he, yeah, is, he's he back. has truly built this team in his fucking image. They, Yep, this is a Pat Narduzzi team, sure enough. <laughs> yeah, 100%, man. Uh, besides that, we have Liberty at Kansas. Arkansas uh, at 4 p.m. Ar- Liberty at Arkansas. Yeah, thank you. Arkansas, as some say. Yes, some say. Uh, at 4 yeah. p.m. on the SEC Network. Um, what are your expectations of this game? I know, I know. Liberty obviously is seven and one and has been a pretty dangerous team, but uh, what are you thinking for for this game? I don't. I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know. I <laughs> Liberty has looked very yeah. good these last couple of weeks, but Arkansas's favored by two touchdowns. Yeah, Arkansas. Arkansas's points. favored by two touchdowns. There are injury issues. A lot of them for Liberty specifically at quarterback. They've had some 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 injury issues. Um, I don't know who exactly is going to be playing at quarterback. I guess Jonathan Bennett is probably going to be the guy. He was good against BYU. Um, the main attraction of the offense has been Day Day Hunter, who is excellent. Uh, Hawaii transfer. And I personally am not of the belief that Arkansas will be able to stop him because it hasn't really done that this year. That's not something that Arkansas is capable of doing. Um, but I also don't know that Liberty is going to have the physicality to really do much of anything against Arkansas's offense. So I'm expecting a shootout. And I think that Arkansas probably wins. Um, but I think it could look a lot like the Liberty-Wake Forest game of uh, however many weeks ago that was now. It's a specific fun kind of shootout, though, that involves one team having like 360 yards rushing. Yeah. Uh, which is what Arkansas will do, which is always a fun. Like, I love when a shootout just involves like a team not having linebackers. That's great to me. Yeah, that is always good. We do like that. And it could be uh, it could be the, the very, very rare, very valuable all running shootout where it's just that both teams are running the shit out of the ball and uh, nobody can stop them. TCU and Baylor used to do this a lot. Um, and that is uh, that's a that's a very good kind of football game. So if you're interested in that i guess that that would be worth keeping an eye on as well um down in the no fly list we've got a collection of four g5 games with some conference importance but not a whole lot beyond that georgia state at southern miss ucf at memphis south alabama at georgia southern and troy at louisiana um the i i think that if you are interested in these specific conferences largely the the sun belt here um any of these picks would be would be valuable i think that any of these could have importance if you care about you know southern miss if you care about the west race if you care about watching to see if any of those uh any of those teams in the west fall if they're upset um and then of course if you want to see ucf lose to memphis um which i'm not predicting i don't think that's actually going to happen but it would be really funny uh you can keep an eye on these but i think that the the big looming thing at the top of of the 330 slot sort of makes it difficult to justify keeping too much of an eye on these beyond like have them on your on your score tracking app, I guess, and see if anything interesting is happening. But it's uh, I don't know. It's it's difficult for me to justify watching UCF Memphis over the the you know Tennessee Georgia. All right, so let's just get into Tennessee Georgia. Yeah, let's do Tennessee Georgia now. The Abu Ghraib game of the century of the week of the year. You could throw that in there. It doesn't matter. Um, Tennessee Georgia three thirty CBS. Uh, it's good. <laughs> it's it's good. I don't know where to start with this. It's good. I'm very, very excited about it. It's, uh, 
I I have I'm I don't know the the new playoff rankings off the top of my head. This is not a one two, right? It's a one three. It's a one three game. Okay. Yeah, it's one three game. Georgia is number three. Tennessee is number one. Uh, but Georgia, as the time we're recording here, is favored by eight and a half points over Tennessee. Mm-hmm. They're at home, of course, but that is bizarre to me. I, I, we were talking about on High Street Freaks too. I don't really feel like Georgia is better than Tennessee. Do you feel that way? Not like significantly. Like I, I think that there is a a sort of a coming into the season. Obviously, that was the the conception, and I think that Georgia is still benefiting from a lot of that. But you look at what Georgia has done this year. The Oregon win is super impressive in retrospect, and at the time, the Oregon win is extremely impressive. But since then, Samford, South Carolina, struggled with Kent State, very very nearly lost to Missouri, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Florida. And like, yeah, they won those games. Largely, they took care of business, did what they were supposed to do. They had a couple drop-off games, like I mentioned. But what in there do you think could really tell you anything about this team? What what of that of that swath of games is like, oh wow, Georgia's really really living up to expectations. Like, I don't know, they might be. <laughs> Georgia might be as good as people thought they were going to be, as as good as I thought they were going to be. But I don't think we know that yet. I don't think that there's really any way to say definitively what Georgia is at this point. They lost a huge chunk of their defense, and we haven't seen it tested really significantly at all this year beyond the Oregon game when Oregon seemed completely out of sorts. I don't think that that game would go exactly that way today. Georgia would still win, but uh, I don't I don't know what to make of these guys, whereas I have seen Tennessee look really impressive against teams that we know are good, against teams that we know right. are, 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 are competent. I have seen Tennessee dominate Kentucky. I have seen Tennessee completely take care of business in difficult spots like at LSU. I have seen Tennessee beat Alabama. Uh, like I, at this point, I don't know. I don't know what Georgia has done to earn this trust beyond what, what, you know, uh, above what Tennessee has done beyond just the name, beyond just the fact that it is Georgia and it won the national championship last year, which certainly has, you know, there, there's, there's reason to pay attention to that. But Tennessee has looked like the better team this year, I think, objectively. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, of course, like Tennessee really answered the bell against Kentucky and LSU. And there's are two very physical football teams that really want to play uh, in a phone booth. Uh, and they had no problem either one of those games. They shut down both those offenses. Yeah. Um, and that's the same way Georgia plays offense, right? Georgia's a, a certainly upgraded, better version of those teams. Um, Brock Bowers is the, is the best player on any of those rosters like i think he's the best player they've played all season maybe with the exception of bryce young yeah uh he, he's a very talented player but like i don't think a tight end is gonna like, is gonna keep up with the entire tennessee offense right like georgia doesn't have enough weapons man they don't have any receivers their running game is a uh, good not great i understand their rate is a pretty high offense right now but I- i'm not very convinced on what georgia's done on offense at all like like scoring points early in the year on oregon who has a terrible defense in south carolina who's south carolina doesn't really impress me that much, right? Then you struggle with Missouri when they had one good defensive line game. Um, Florida held them in check for three quarters uh, until they pulled away late. Like, I, I don't really see that much from Georgia's offense to make me feel very confident about it. Uh, and Georgia's defense is certainly, it's the best defense Tennessee's played all season. But it's not like, you know, S&P Plus has it about a field goal better than Alabama's, right? Yeah. Like, it's not a ton better. And of course, you're flipping from a home field advantage to, to a road game, which is about a six-point swing or a five-point swing, right? You get two and a half points, sure. um, which I guess adjusts for the line here. Uh, but I, I don't know, dude. Like, I don't know that I think that Georgia can actually hang with these guys because 
Of course, Jalen Carter is not 100%. He played last week against Florida, but he played sporadically. He was banged up. If he's healthier this week, that's a big difference. Um, but Nolan Smith, their top pass rusher, is now out for the season Yeah, uh, with a torn pectoral muscle. Um, you have, like, Malachi Stark has been a pretty good corner, but the rest of that Georgia secondary has been... It's young, uh, too. It's a very young It's secondary. young. And, like, it's not they don't have talent. Of course they have talent, but, like, Tennessee isn't didn't beat Alabama by being more talented than them, right? It's not like it's not yeah. like Alabama doesn't have guys in the roster who can run with Jalen Hyatt. Their defensive backs didn't recognize what Tennessee was doing on offense, and they got lost in coverage. Yeah, because they are also not super veteran, uh, and, and they and Alabama is a much more veteran group than Georgia's at the defensive back, right? Like they are much more experienced. Yeah, I would worry Georgia's guys are going to get lost in the wash. I think. I think. That you know Kirby Smart and his his staff there are a better uh, teaching group, of course, than Pete Golding is. But uh, hey, Nick Saban's on staff too to help him. Like that yeah. guy's there too. Like, and those guys were lost. They were one hundred percent lost. I think Georgia might be too. I don't know that Georgia knows what Tennessee's going to hit him with. Yeah, I mean, just in this last month, uh, Tennessee has really sort of, like you said, put through the wash a lot of defenses that are known as being well-coached and disciplined. LSU's defense had no answers for Tennessee's passing attack. Kentucky's defense certainly did not have any answers for Tennessee's passing attack. Yeah. You're, Kentucky's you're seeing, defense also a top-10 group. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, you're seeing, like we talked about on the on the recap show, like, Tennessee is able to create these blown coverages with the way that it does things. And Georgia's group, like, you know, obviously well-coached, very well-coached. The defensive staff there is excellent. There's no point in, in, in debating that. It is. But... They're young guys. These are young cornerbacks. They're young safeties. It's a young defense, and it's without, like you said, it's bat, it's best pass rusher, and so, you know, there there's certainly a there's a world where Georgia can still get pressure with three or four because they just have so many guys <laughs> in the trenches who are dominant, who are very good, but you can't blitz against Tennessee. You can't blitz against Tennessee. It won't work. They will kill you. They, you cannot blitz against this kind of offense when it is rolling like this because you will leave your cornerbacks on islands and man coverage, and if you don't want to give up huge plays down the field, you're going to have them shield to the outside, and Tennessee will just screen and slant you to death. It will, it does not, Tennessee will not stop calling those plays unless you stop blitzing. It will just keep doing it. If you don't have help over the middle, your cornerbacks are not going to be able to win those matchups. They just can't. You can't blitz against these guys. And so... You have to be able to generate pressure with four, and I'm not sure that that Georgia down a man is going to be able to do that at the le- at the level that it would need to. Alabama wasn't able to. Uh, nobody has really been able to this season. Tennessee has a very good offensive line, an offensive line that is much better than it really has any business being. Like this is not a Josh Heupel offensive line traditionally. His lines are not this good. He has inherited a very good offensive line, and I think that is a big part of what they're able to do, but they that doesn't change the fact that they have it. They have an offensive line that can help that can hold up against four, that can handle itself against elite pass rushers, and it is suddenly down a guy that it has to worry about. A pretty important guy. It's it's a it's a big it's a major, major loss for Georgia. And I think that it really impacts the dynamic of this game where like I said, you can't blitz. You have to drop six. You have to drop seven. You have to be you have to be you know, helping your cornerbacks in every way that you possibly can. And even if you're doing that, Tennessee can run the ball. Tennessee has proven that it can run the ball against physical defenses. And Tennessee can still create big plays. They can still create blown coverages, even when you're dropping six or seven into coverage. Kentucky was plus one on both sides of the ball throughout much of the, or on both sides of the field throughout a lot of the game in terms of numbers against how many guys Tennessee had out wide. And they were still getting beat. 
They were still blowing coverages. They had, you know, they had three over two. They had four over three. They had whatever whatever you want as a defensive coordinator, and it didn't matter because Tennessee is still able to create these openings. Tennessee is really, really good at creating openings, at using its tendencies against you and breaking them when it needs to to generate these big plays. They did it a lot against Kentucky. They will do it a lot here. And, you know, Kirby Smart can have the perfect game plan. He can know exactly what he needs to do to stop these guys. But, you have to go out and execute it, and as crazy it is, as it is to say about a team as talented as Georgia, I don't know if they can do it. I don't know if anybody can do it against this Tennessee offense. I haven't seen it yet. I've not really even seen anybody come close. It's, it's, not, it's not been competitive. Defense is trying to stop this offense. Nobody has done it. Nobody has even slowed it down, and so I, I, I think that that's a major thing to think about is, is you know, I, I don't know if Tennessee can name its score here, but Tennessee's going to put a lot of points on the board. Tennessee's going to put a lot of points on the board. And so I, I think that the the bigger question for me of what is going to, you know, what will determine this game is the other side, is the other side of the ball, is Georgia's offense, like, yeah. you, like you alluded to. Well, really they, quick, too, just one more time to get into the Georgia defense here. I, I want to, something else I want to say yeah. before we kind of move on to the Georgia offense here is that, like, people forget, but, like, I, I know last year's game ended up being a pretty lopsided score, right? Uh, Tennessee ended up losing 41 17 uh, to Georgia last year. Uh, first of all, Tennessee, despite turning the ball over twice, had 387 yards and 22 first downs uh, on one of the best defenses in the history of college football. Yep. And they had four other red zone trips, uh, sorry, rather trips inside the Georgia 35 that didn't result in points. Yep. Uh, Tennessee was like moving the ball on Georgia last year. And that Georgia defense is a lot better than this one, like mm-hmm. a lot better than this one. Uh, even a healthy version of this year's defense does not really stack up to last year's. And this defense is far from healthy. Like I, I want to point out that Tennessee is – it was doing better last year. That score reflected. They also had held Georgia to 27 points in the first three quarters uh, when they were on defense. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Jeremy Banks is a pretty good defensive coordinator here. Or is Tim Banks, Jeremy Banks, which one's the player? Which one's the coach? Impossible uh, to say. There's no way to know. Um, <laughs> it's. Uh, I think it's Jeremy Banks is the uh, uh, is the player and Tim Banks is the coach. Yeah, Tim yeah. Banks is the coordinator. Sure. Uh, I always get that mixed up. Um but yeah, no, look, Tennessee was much more competitive last year and the score indicates. And I think they're obviously they're a much better football team this season. I'm very curious to see how the matchups work, but you were going to get into the Georgia offense. Go ahead and I'll let you go. Yeah, so the thing that I am interested in here is obviously Georgia's offensive strength uh, for as, as, you know, as many moments as Stetson Bennett has had and, and all of the different times that people have decided that he's a Heisman contender for some reason. Um, Georgia's offense is still predicated around the run. It's a run-first offense. They they have a lot of cool stuff that they do in the passing game to open things up for the, the rushing attack, and I think that they will be more than willing to pass here. But Georgia does not have a bunch of guys at receiver who scare you significantly, and it, it, it's not... It's a run-first offense. They want to be physical. They want to beat you in the trenches. They want to wear you down. And... Tennessee, like, this is not an amazing defense for Tennessee. We've talked about this. They, they, they play hard, they're aggressive, they're fast, but they're not the best defense in the world. Um, Jameer Gibbs scored three touchdowns on the ground against Tennessee, but he averaged 4.3 yards per carry across 24 carries. It was not that effective a day on the ground for Alabama, and that has been a similar story for a lot of teams who have played against Tennessee's defense this year. Chris Rodriguez averaged 4.3 yards per carry. You go back to the LSU game, and it is, I'm pulling it up right now, let's see, uh, Jaden Daniels, 16 carries for 38 yards. The next leader in rushing yards was Josh Williams with seven carries for 10 yards. This is not like an easy group to run on just because they're not the best defense in the world. And so... 
Yeah, they have a very good rushing. Yeah. I, I think actually Tennessee is underrated in the rush game overall, right? They have a good rushing offense too. Like this is yeah. not just a team that relies on the pass. Like anyway, keep going. Yeah, even even Florida, which is considered a pretty good rushing attack. Anthony Richardson, three point six yards per carry. Uh, Trevor Etienne, three point nine yards per carry. Uh, Naquan Wright, three point three. Montreal Johnson, three two point three. Like they're they're good. It's a good run defense, and so. Uh, I don't know. I I I know that I'm going to uh, I know that I'm going to end up regretting this because college football does not reward its its uh, you know sort of new stars or, or uh, different winners very often, and that ultimately getting my hopes up for something different happening will only <laughs> result in disappointment. But like I don't know. I think Tennessee's better. I think Tennessee's better on both sides of the ball, like relative to the unit that they're going up against. I think Tennessee's offense is better than Georgia's defense. I think that Tennessee's defense is at least good is, is at least as good as Georgia's offense. Like I don't know, am I crazy? I think I think Tennessee's going to win. I think Tennessee's better. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I think Tennessee's going to win too, man. I, I come out in the same like same end of it you do, uh which obviously makes me nervous that we're both agreeing this much. I think usually when we're both kind of thinking the same way, it makes me yeah. <laughs> makes me kind of anxious, but yeah. I I I do think Tennessee's going to win. Um, I, I think it's going to be an awesome game. The fact that it's in Athens worries me a little bit, Yeah, but I just don't see like, who is the Georgia difference maker that's keeping up with this Tennessee offense? Like Tennessee has so many weapons. And, and again, last week was Cedric Tillman's first game back. He's now should be fully healthy this week. Um, like there's just so many guys stepping up for Tennessee and I don't see the equivalent with Georgia. Like, uh, you know, other than Brock Bowers, like, I know they have Darnell Washington on, uh, you know, on the roster, but like, do you see many dynamic playmakers in the Georgia roster? Because I, I really don't. I, I know that's like maybe a shallow comparison. I'm just saying, like, Tennessee has dude skill positions and Georgia doesn't. But like, I, I don't know. Is like Dejan Edwards that is that supposed to be that good? Like, I, I don't yeah. think he's that special, right? Like, he's he's a, been a bench player for two years. Uh, Kenny McIntosh kind of have been there forever. They're not making a difference. Like, there's just a bunch of guys here who aren't really that like lad mccalkey's gonna gonna hang with tennessee come on like (laughs) yeah i know he's a he's he's a decent enough possession player but like yeah outside of brock bowers i just don't see it man yeah outside of the tight end room uh it's not the skill core at georgia does not excite you i don't think it's not like and and that's not to say that they're bad by any means obviously they're they're very good lad mcconkey is an extremely good possession receiver he's very good at what he does their running back room is filled with guys who average five yards per carry, like true five yards per carry. They will just go out and get you five yards every time they touch the ball pretty much. Um, but yeah, they're not, they're not, uh, it's not a group that I'm terribly afraid of. Uh, Georgia's Georgia's skill position guys. Uh, I, I do want to at the, um, at the risk of, of dragging this on for too long, I do want to try and lay out what we think would be the path for Georgia to win just so that we are not, uh, caught with our pants down here <laughs> just because there's obviously a path for Georgia to win. It's not, they're favored by eight and a half points. It's not impossible that Georgia would win this game. Uh, and I, I'm curious what we think that might be because the thing that immediately comes to mind for me is that Tennessee in the trenches is not up to the task that, that, that Tennessee's success on the offensive line, that Tennessee's burgeoning run defense that has been, like you said, a lot, a lot better than people give it credit for are, good independently are, are good against a lot of competition but are still not quite on the level of Georgia's play in the trenches that would be that's the thing that makes sense to me is that Tennessee can't get off the field because it's struggling 
to get pressure on Stetson Bennett. It is struggling with allowing those relief those release valve uh, passes to tight ends. That it's struggling with with uh, defending play action again because it's not getting pressure. And then offensively, that it doesn't have enough time to set up those blown coverage plays. That it's that it, that, that Hendon Hooker is on the run. That he's struggling to stay upright even against just a four man rush. That feels like the path to me for Georgia winning this game. I just I think that Tennessee's path is more realistic in in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that makes sense. I, I guess you have to go back and look at, like, the team closest to beating Tennessee this year, which is Pitt. Yeah. Right? Pitt is very the team funny. that came closest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very funny. Very funny. I mean, Pitt possessed the ball longer than Georgia, which obviously Georgia's capable of doing. Uh, I, I think the idea is if you can consistently move the football chunk by chunk, not rely on explosive plays, keeping Tennessee's offense off the field for times, uh, and keeping that Tennessee defense tired. Like, we know Tennessee can and wants to score quick. That's usually great because they're going to score a lot more points to their team. Their team gets overwhelmed and quits. But if Georgia is, you know, able to keep the Tennessee defense on the field consistently, they're going to wear them down over time and get easier and easier as the game goes on to just lean on Tennessee. And Tennessee, for as talented as they are on the high end, as how many high end skill position players they have, they do not have. And I know they're a blue blood program. They simply do not have the depth of talent that teams like Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Michigan, Alabama have. Yeah. Right? Like they don't. I believe at their blue chip ratio, they're only like 30% of the roster is blue chips, yeah. which is way lower than other top end teams. Yeah. Um, they can't like if they, if they get injuries, if they get tired, they get exhausted. Um, they don't have a lot of next man up kind of players. Those guys don't really exist here. Uh, and, and I think if the Georgia running game is working, if basically the Tennessee rush off rush defense is more suspect than we thought, or if alternatively Tennessee can't possess the ball. Well, if those rushing attacks they do with, you know, kind of a, a designed empty box are not uh, working. That's a problem for them, right? If they yeah. if they use a scenario where Georgia gets up by 14 relatively early because, you know, they score, Tennessee, they get a stop against Tennessee and score again, Tennessee all of a sudden cannot really get into the offense they want to get into because if they score quick again, that defense is going to be wiped out so early in the game. Yeah. Like, so that, that kind of limits Tennessee offensive playbook. So I think Georgia can win a game state for sure. Um, I mean, it pit, like I said, possessed the ball for 35 to 60 minutes of the game. Um, they only took 28 yards of penalties. Uh, their lead back, Izzy Abacanada, rushed uh, 25 times for 154 yards against Tennessee. Yeah. Um, something like that, where they're just moving the chains consistently behind a powerful running back, uh, which Georgia certainly has in the roster. Um, that could work. I, I guess the question is, do we think that the Georgia offense can do that at this point in the season? I think Tennessee's improved a lot as a defense since they played Pitt. Yeah. Um, they've learned a ton. They've gelled a lot. Jeremy Banks has played out of his mind. Um, I, I don't know if that game plan works anymore. Not that Tennessee's already seen it, but I certainly could be wrong about that. Yeah, yeah. A couple other things from that Pitt game that I just want to mention briefly. So Pitt, like you, I think you might have alluded to it, 35 minutes of possession. Um, and they did that despite being 4 of 18 on third down. If you're better on third right. down and you hold the ball for 35 minutes, then you will probably win the game if you're Georgia. I, 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 that 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 is the path, right? That is the, objectively, that is the path, is that the less time Tennessee's offense spends on the field, the better. Um, and uh, just just getting into manageable third downs and converting them on the ground is, is absolutely a, a viable path here. Another thing that I think is worth mentioning from this game, though, that I don't think is is sustainable, even less so than than you know the whole Tennessee's defense improving since then. Uh, another part of Tennessee that has improved is the rushing attack. And against Pitt, their leading rusher carried nine times for 47 yards. They didn't have a whole lot else going on the ground at all. 
I don't think you can do that anymore as a, as a team playing against Tennessee. I do not think that you can shut down that rushing attack to that extent anymore. It has gotten, Agreed. It has gotten better. It has gotten to a point where I, I, I don't think it's realistic, the uh, situation where Jalen Wright carrying nine times for 47 yards is the best that Tennessee can do on the, on the ground. That has not been the case for a while now. They've been really good at running the ball. They have figured out a lot of stuff about running the ball. Uh, I, I think that they have not necessarily gone away from Hendon Hooker as a viable option in the rushing attack, but they have really figured out how to hone in when and where, when and where he does things and, and uh, you know, using him more as a decoy. He still carries the ball plenty, but I think that they've gotten a lot smarter about the way that they deploy their rushing attack, and I think that they've also really found something in Jabari Small. Obviously, they've had him for a while now, but I think they've figured out yeah. a way to use him, a way to balance how much he touches the ball against how much Jalen Wright touches the ball. They've been creating more big plays on the ground, like I just the the pit game plan is the one that you follow, but it, it I don't think it's note for note. I think that there are things that you have to change about the way that you handle this Tennessee team by virtue of the fact that like yeah they got better. They've been they are better than they were when they played against Pitt. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I guess you could also look at the the Florida game too, yeah. right? Like I mean. And that's also a game where that was a pretty competitive football game. And it's a different game plan, I guess. I mean, Florida still possessed football a lot. They also had ball for 35 minutes. They had more first downs in Tennessee. They had more yards in Tennessee. Um, Tennessee turned the ball over twice this game, just as they did against Pitt, um, it, which is a problem here. Uh, I mean, obviously. But, but but you know, Florida was able to just uh, – Florida was able to just kind of, you know, kind of pass the ball all of the yard in Tennessee with Andy Richardson, which is obviously a bizarre thing to say when you know yeah. who Andy Richardson is. <laughs> um, but, but I mean, I don't know, maybe that's the game plan here again, uh, is just the idea that the Tennessee's defense, uh, is shittier than we thought. Again, this has been weeks since this game happened. Uh, I think Tennessee has improved a lot in the interim. Um, you know, they played Florida, I believe back in September. It's been quite a while since this game happened. And since then they've, they've got on to roll LSU, beat Bama, roll Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I, I think that like. It's hard for me to imagine this Tennessee defense regressing that much against Georgia because I don't think the Georgia offense is that special. In fact, I think it's not really special at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just more talented against a, a relatively weak schedule. The only good team they played has been Oregon, who has a terrible defense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Another thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my expectation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing here, and not to, uh, we'll, we'll move on here shortly, but if we're looking at older games, um, this is a very funny comparison to draw because of the team that it is involving. But um, I think there's something to learn from Georgia's sort of weird game <laughs> against Kent State. Because um, Kent State kicked three field goals in that game and still scored 22 points. That's a Mac, that's a Mac team. Um, those offenses are similar, I will say. Kent State and, and Tennessee's. They're not the same. It's not identical. Tennessee does a lot of things that Kent State does, or maybe the other way around. I don't. It doesn't matter how you say it, and does it with a whole lot more talent and unbelievable magnitudes that really cannot even be <laughs> described on a podcast. A whole lot more fucking talent than Kent State does it with, and Kent State didn't put up huge yardage in that game. Was not like dominant offensively, but it could have been a whole lot closer than it even was if it had just finished drives, and it still scored twenty two points against Georgia. Like. I don't know, man. It just, that's the thing I keep coming back to is just, it feels like everything is pointing in Tennessee's direction here. And if I was, if I was picking this game, which I, I don't think I did in the, in the weekly picks, I don't remember. Um, but if I was picking this game, the thing, the greatest thing working in Georgia's favor is that it's Georgia. The greatest thing working in Tennessee's favor is everything else. The, the thing that works in Tennessee's favor here 
is that I think it's a better football team. The thing that works in Georgia's favor is that it's at home and it's Georgia. And like, yeah, they should be better. Right. But I, I don't and think they are. And they can are. just lean on them, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they are either, man. Like, I think, I think if Tennessee, like Tennessee just needs to weather the first, the first 20 minutes of this game, right? Yeah. Like if you can just get through this point where you're not like, you're not down 10 points, 14 points to Georgia, not they can't come back. It's not obviously the games that they want to play in. You don't want this crowd to be super raucous. Like, if you can get an early lead and play the kind of ball you want to play against Georgia, they will win this game. Yeah. If they get into disadvantage game, disadvantageous game state, I would be worried for Tennessee. They haven't really had to do that this whole season. Uh, they haven't really come from behind this whole year. Um, so I'd be worried for them if that happens because uh, we haven't really seen them play against adversity, right? We don't think they're as soft as as they used to be. Yeah, but. They haven't proven it yet, right? Have you? I mean, do they have any? Comfort, I don't think they have any comfort behind games this whole season, uh, no, as far not, as I recall. Yeah, not that um, I can. I'll, not that I can think of. I no. mean, I, obviously, they, they they really took some swings in that Bama game. They went back and forth here. Um, that would, yeah, I, I guess that would be the, I guess that would be the comparison. Is like it seemed like they were yeah. they were done in that Alabama game several times, and then they still bounced back. Right. Yeah, I mean, they played overtime against Pitt. Uh, Alabama led with the latest they had lead was as. 326 left where Tennessee tied up a 326 remaining yeah. and kicked that game winning field goal. Alabama took the lead with 749. Um, they scored back to back touchdowns in uh, what is that like 45 seconds? Yeah, uh, against Tennessee and then Tennessee still came back and won. Yeah, so I guess that's the that's the punch they took and they came back. Um, and also Bama in that game by the way possessed the ball for 37 and a half minutes. Yeah, um, Tennessee's won the games now possessing the football pretty easily. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, mean, I think they like even if these things we're talking about go in Georgia's way, I don't think it means that Tennessee will lose. I just think that means that's Georgia's path to victory. Like Tennessee can win this game playing from behind. They can win this game uh, in a lower scoring game. Like, ten, like Tennessee is capable of winning this game in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think Georgia's path is pretty specific. Like that's, I don't think Georgia's that good of a team. Like I think Michigan would beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ohio State would beat Georgia. I think Georgia's probably somewhere between the fourth and seventh best team in the country, if I had to guess. Yeah, this is a pretty good measuring stick for where Georgia is, I would say. This this, yeah. this game is... is Which is, uh, I mean, no insult to them. They lost, what, eight yeah, they, lost, they, lost, the they, they lost, like, their entire national championship team, basically. Right. For, like, it's like, not a critique uh, of Georgia. Yeah. They're in a great place as a program. Like, testament to them, they're still a top six team after all they lost. Yeah, but, like, it's hard to win I, a I national think... championship every year. There's a reason that you yeah. usually can't do that. <laughs> it's hard to do. You, you That talent is difficult to replace. National championship-level talent... Even if you're recruiting, uh, unlike anyone has ever recruited before, it's hard to do. It's hard to have those guys every single year. And Georgia may very well. St- I mean, it still has a ton of guys who are going, who are on that level, or will be on that level. But it's not. It's not where it was last year, at least not to this point. And and if it goes out and wins this game here, then obviously that changes things. But to this point, man, it's not. It's not been what it was. It just. It just hasn't been. Objectively, it hasn't been. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I like I, those games like against Kent State and Missouri were kind of a, a warning signal here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm mean, okay. Let's move on for this game. We talked about it for like half an hour, right? Yeah. We can probably, I think yep. we've got our, uh, <laughs> got yeah, I, our, think, I think we got it out. Point Ex- across. Excited for it. Um, uh, go I can't wait for it. I'm picking Tennessee. You're picking Tennessee. Yeah, go Vols. Um, let's, let's, uh, did you, what did you it. put in our, our gambling picks? Let's give a little tease to the gambling column. Did, did you bet on this game at all? No, I don't. I, I literally cannot remember as soon as I send those to you, they leave my brain forever. Yeah, um, fair enough. I, no, I think I, some, one of us took the money line. I'll check if it was you or not, but it, I, I took it, the, it uh, might have been, it might have been me. That would be really funny that sounds like something you, that you I have taken 
like a, a million money lines. This I, week, I'm so a, I like, yeah, I'm a big proponent of the money lines. No, I took, uh, I did take the Tennessee money line. Sure enough. Uh, so yeah, yeah. you took Tennessee money line. Me and Kevin took them to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to say, yeah, Taylor bet the over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ace did not touch it. Love that. Um, yeah, go Vols. We'll we'll uh, we'll see it. Evening Guantanamo Bay. We got three games here. It's a good evening. Alabama at LSU, 7 p.m. on ESPN leads us off. Um, interesting game. I, I have kind of a worry that Alabama just beats the shit out of them, but it does seem like LSU has taken a lot of steps forward. It does seem like LSU has improved, uh, in, in recent weeks. They're not that far removed from their big loss to Tennessee, but, uh, they have won, let's see, uh, six of their last seven with the lone loss being to Tennessee. That includes playing Ole Miss at Florida, not a ton, uh, Mississippi state at home as well. Um, I think that they're solidly a capable team at this point we could say, but I, yeah. I do have, I do have some of the worries here of like pretty good team hosting Alabama and Alabama just housing them. And it seems like the betters kind of right. agree with me on this because Alabama is favored by 13 on the road. Yeah, really good work from the committee to set up very simple, easy, quote unquote, back to back top 10 road wins for Alabama to get them back in the playoff, fully back in the playoff combo, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's come on. Like I'm not, a, I'm not a dipshit. This is deliberate. Mm-hmm. Uh, LSU is not a, that good of a football team. Like they beat a bad uh, Ole Miss team. Don't care about that. Uh, Ole Miss has beaten a mediocre Kentucky team and nobody else. That's their own. Like they, they yeah. beat Troy in week one. Uh, they barely beat Kentucky at home. Uh, they they struggled with Auburn for four quarters at home. Uh, they barely beat Texas A&M on the road. They got blown out by LSU. Yeah. Uh, they're going to lose two or three of their last three games. Um, don't care about Ole Miss, but uh, they have a bye week right now before they play Bama. Uh, LSU, I think, has actually grown as a football team throughout the course of the season. Like I've been kind of impressed with what they've what they've done. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm all about them getting blown out by Tennessee like four games ago. By the way. Yeah, uh, that happened. Yeah, not uh, that also, not that long ago, <laughs> pretty yeah. recently. Yeah, couldn't pull away from Florida or Auburn. Um, ha- played okay against Mississippi State. Lost the game to Florida State. Florida State's a, a pretty good football team, not a special football team. Uh, I have no reason to think LSU is that good. And in fact, with those two losses, the fact they're ranked tenth with two losses and and no real wins except Ole Miss is a fucking joke. It's nuts. Um, yeah, it's nuts. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, like the justification to rank them ahead of Kansas State or Utah is nonsensical in my opinion yeah um but whatever i don't want to get into playoff rankings right now um anyway what i'm pissed off about it yeah. uh, as you can tell but um yeah i think bama probably runs away from lsu um i also don't think bama is that special but i i think they are a lot better than lsu i mean the sec west is pretty shitty this year like i think it's a pretty bad division yeah, it's got um, it's got a bunch of teams who are kind of similar. It, it has a bunch of teams who are sort of uh, in their own way for their own expectations, underachieving not significantly, but enough that it's noticeable. So you have a whole bunch of teams who are just like, yeah, they're 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 good. They're pretty good. They're, they maybe should be a little bit better than yeah. they are. Um, yeah, that was going to be my rebuttal to the you know LSU not being all that special thing. Is like I don't know that Alabama's all that special either. Alabama, the Mississippi State win notwithstanding because that's not a real program it doesn't it's not impressive at all um nearly lost to texas a&m which is not good that's not that's not good um did lose to tennessee when you know tennessee is what it is almost lost to texas like that i don't know man i've not seen it from them i've not i've just not seen it from alabama it's it's and that you know obviously that can change but they've kind of been this for two years now we did a whole show about this they've kind of been this for two years now and they i think they sort of are what they are I think that they're good enough, certainly, to beat LSU. I think they will do that. But, 
I don't know. It seems like, yeah, they're about the sixth best team in the country. That would, that would be where I would think of Alabama. They're just about sixth. I would not. I, I yeah. the, the trying to position them to get right back into the playoff thing. Like, I don't think they're deserving of that. I don't think they're that good. I just, I, I just don't. And maybe there aren't, maybe there won't be four teams who are, and somebody's got to do it. But I don't know, man. It seems like these guys kind of just aren't that good. It, they're, they're obviously relative to everybody else. They're good, but well, and, like, yeah. relative to the I top the of the sport, is is... I'm just, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed at all. I... I think they're probably not going to get exposed because one of their biggest weaknesses is just, you know, how bad their pass defense is. Yeah. Uh, and LSU cannot do the ball downfield. They're constitutionally <laughs> yeah, that, incapable. Yeah, that is not something uh, that LSU is going to be doing. That's not that's not yeah. in the game plan for LSU. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Jaden Daniels averages 7.7 yards an attempt, and their top three receivers, Malik Neighbors and Keishon Booty, who are both definitely NFL guys, have one touchdown each in the season. Cool. Uh, yeah, they're both averaging 12.6 yards per catch or less. Uh, just nothing going on there. No deep ball to speak of. Jay Daniels has been, he's been improved and he's been accurate. Uh, he's been a, a successful runner. He's a leading rusher in the season. Um, he's had a good year. I'm, I'm, I actually been pretty impressed by Jay Daniels, but like, come on. He's not, I mean, he's not going to be the quarterback to beat Alabama. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I, not, I think yeah. that that's, no yeah, I think that that's fair. I think Alabama probably rolls next up. Texas at Kansas state 7 PM on FS one. Uh, Kansas State coming off of its huge win over Oklahoma State. Texas coming off of a bye week uh, after a week prior losing to that same Oklahoma State team. The uh, the Heat has come off Texas after that loss. Still a team that, that people are pretty high on, but they are not any sort of like team to be considered, I don't think, for anything beyond just they might be pretty good and they're fun to watch. Uh, I'm excited about this one as a football game. I'm not sure that I'm excited about it as like a meaningful thing, I guess, and... and I'll keep an eye on it. I think that all three of the ones in the Guantanamo Bay game are worth watching and worth having on a screen, but I don't know. I kind of think Kansas State's going to roll them up. I kind of think that Kansas State is just better, constitutionally, just a better team. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think so, too. I, I think I think they're – I mean, uh, shit, I don't know. Do I think they're a constitutionally better team? That's tough to say. Texas has actually been – Texas has just like been a classic Texas fashion. Tech, Texas fashion is finding wacky ways to lose games to mm-hmm. teams they're better than. Uh, but I, I wouldn't agree they're constitutionally worse than Kansas State. I think Texas has actually been very good on the numbers. Um, they're just poorly coached because their coach is a dipshit, right? Like yeah. They just have an idiotic coach. I think, but this team is I think very talented be, and, and can succeed. I think that could be an issue in this kind of game, though, because Kansas State sure, yeah, yeah. does a lot of things that I think are going to hurt a team that doesn't know what it's doing, which is Texas. Texas does not really know what it's doing. And so like yeah. that, that defense, for all the talent that it has, is still a Texas defense, and that all of the con- connotations that are carried with that are uh, true. Those remain like this is yeah. a tech. This is a Texas defense, capital T, capital D, Texas defense against an offense that, regardless of who's playing quarterback, which we don't know at this point, two very different quarterbacks, regardless of of who who's back there, really well schemed, well designed, creative, misdirection based offense. Um, and it's either going to be through the air or on the ground with, with whoever the quarterback is. And I think that Texas is not going to have an answer for either one of those. If I'm, if I'm yeah. being honest about the Texas defense, uh, I do think it depends which Quinn Ewers shows up to, right? Yeah. Like, are we, are we getting the Quinn Ewers who was like lighting up Bama or the Quinn Ewers who threw a million interceptions a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Like that, that is, that is the question here. Um, if you get good Quinn, Texas can be anybody in the country like that. They are, that is their ceiling. They, yeah. they can on the right night upset. They can upset Tennessee. They can upset Ohio State. Like that is that is their ceiling this year. Yep. Uh, they also are clearly capable of like 
you know, they could lose to fucking Louisville on the wrong night too, right? Like that, like they're also that football team. Yeah. Uh, they they can lose to a lot of different teams. So I, I find it very hard to predict Texas games because of how erratic and poor his job uh, Steve Sarkeesian is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do ultimately think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun football game to watch. I think Kansas State wins. Um, I think it's probably a more competitive game than you think. Mm-hmm. I, I think it ends up finishing like a one-score game. Um, and I'm looking forward to watching. It's probably going to be, to me, the best game of this window. Yeah. I think I'll end up watching more Clemson-Notre Dame for hater reasons, mm-hmm. but this is probably the best actual football game in the window. In my yeah, I, I agree with that. I think entertainment value-wise, Texas-Kansas State is the uh, the best bang for your buck here. Um, and we will round out the Guantanamo Bay games here with the one that you meant, with, the, with the one that you just mentioned, Clemson at Notre Dame, 7.30 p.m. on NBC. And folks, you know I had to do it to them. You know that I have to do this. I have no choice. This is the uh, Hank Hill, I'm about to bust narrative buster of the week. I'm about to bust. Uh, Clemson's going to lose. Clemson's going to lose. Notre Dame's going to beat them. Notre Dame is going to blank that fucking offense. They're going to shut it down. And uh, they're going to do it. I believe believe it. I just want to say, I appreciate you supporting your Buckeyes like this. Uh I know it's brave for you to come out and get a win to to pad Buckeyes' resume. I Mm -hmm. appreciate that you're staying up for your team. Um, it's great of you to do it. Mm-hmm. Also, it sets up that classic double SEC Big Ten playoff you've been looking for. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I know you've been hungry for that one. So mm-hmm. I think it's great all around that you're supporting this game. Um, but no, no, I mean, like, sneakily, uh, I know this game, uh, is this game at Notre Dame? Yep. It is, unfortunately. Notre Dame has been terrible at home and awesome on the road. That's very uh, I strange. I wish this game... <laughs> That's a very strange trend. No, they, re- they really have. Like, yeah, they, I mean, they really have. They... <laughs> At home, they lost to Marshall. Uh, they beat Cal by one score. Uh, they beat BYU by one score. They lost to Stanford. And they struggled for most of the game with UNLV. Mm. Uh, on the road, they hung with uh, Ohio State for four, excuse me, for four quarters. Uh, they beat a ranked North Carolina team. Uh, and they, they beat them by two touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, and they spanked a ranked Syracuse team. Very they've strange. been like really, they've been really good on the road, really terrible at home. So like, I do worry, can they actually pull off a game at home like this? I, I doubt it. But <laughs> that's very funny. Um, that's very funny that that's a thing to have to worry about with them. Is can they play at home? Can they, can they yeah. win a game? In front? <laughs> they're, they're embarrassed. They're they're, they're very yeah. embarrassed. Well, as we them. all as we all know, Marcus Freeman does have a tendency to flee home and flee his home responsibilities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, which you would know about if you listen to flipping the field pre- or sorry the uh, uh high street freaks premium yeah, yeah. um but uh yeah look i mean i don't know uh clemson is still pretty unsettled right they still have a bit of a quarterback uh i wouldn't call it a controversy because i know we you know they're starting dj yeah but um i'm not convinced that position is fully settled yeah um their defense seems to be jelly at the right time the defensive line is pretty solid but um they don't have much the way of offense right now notre dame defense is still pretty stout um this this is the game notre dame needs some turnover luck to win right they're not gonna win this game straight up but if they get a couple weird fumbles you know uh, clemson starts melting down yeah, they can win this game 100%. Yeah, I mean, you just you, you look at the last uh, five games for Clemson, one score win against Wake Forest, uh, one score win against Florida State, one score win against Syracuse. I don't think it's that unreasonable to think that Notre Dame could be very much in this game, um, given that Notre Dame did just beat the shit out of Syracuse. Um, really bludgeoned them. Was not, was not ever competitive. Uh, I, I think that Notre Dame's defense, earnestly, not just as like a bit for the, the narrative buster, which is uh, 100% serious, analysis but um earnestly like Notre Dame's defense is better than Clemson's offense by a lot it's not really all that close I don't think that Notre Dame's defense is going to be 
especially perturbed by anything that Clemson does offensively. Um, I would not, yeah, I would not call it a quarterback controversy as much as it's just like Clemson doesn't have a good quarterback. Clemson is without a quarterback. They don't have one. They include, including worryingly, Kate Klubnick does not look good when he comes in. either. No, not, not at all. (laughs) No, it does not look good at all. Clearly at a certain point, like we can just say it's a Clemson problem. It's not a, it's not a DJ problem, which I think DJ got maligned a lot on the internet. And I, I do want to say I kind of defended him a bit here. I know you really hated his guts. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think it's a DJ problem. I think it's just a Clemson problem. I don't like have DJ, I, when he. I don't have an issue with the young man personally. I just don't think he's a very good. Quarterback. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the less the, the more coaching he's gotten, the worse he's gotten. The less uh-huh. coaching he, he played brilliant when he was a true freshman. They barely coached him up at all. Yeah. Came in and beat the shit every day. Right. Like yeah. he threw 450 yards in those boys. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, they have to coach him for a full offseason. He looks terrible. Like, uh, I think I know what the, the problem is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's it's hard thing. for me to – what's what's the line in this game? What's the, what's the betting line? Uh, it's like three. Uh, I think it's like three in Clemson's favor. Yeah, Clemson is like four. Mm. Yeah, if memory serves. Um, Over under 44 and a half. They just do oof. not respect Clemson at all. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, same here. I also don't respect Clemson at all. Yeah, I, I just yeah. – like looking at this, looking at Notre Dame's defense and what his what it has been able to do this season against much better offenses than this one, Ohio State's namely. But, I mean – it has really not had a whole lot of bad performances defensively. The offense has been the problem, and that's going to be a problem here as well. Clemson's defense is good enough to give Notre Dame a lot of problems offensively. But, I mean, who on Clemson's roster is going to do anything against this Notre Dame defense? It doesn't have to be a top-tier elite group. They have cornerbacks who can play man coverage, and they have linebackers who can handle these tight ends. That's it. That's all that Clemson has. They don't... There's no zone beaters. There's nothing creative in this offense except for plays for the fucking tight ends. And that's like Notre Dame's ideal guy or ideal offense to defend is one that plays a lot of tight ends. They have a whole lot of guys who are designed only to cover tight ends on this defense. They, they have like tight end specific defensive positions. And so like, I just, I don't know. I look through this group of, of skill players and there's nothing here. There's nothing here that scares me about Clemson. We've talked about this plenty, yeah. but I think that Notre Will Dame Shipley's can, good, I guess. Yeah. yeah Will Shipley's good. But like, I think that Notre Dame can stand up to anything that Clemson wants to do offensively. And that, like you said, it probably is just a turnover game. And yeah. I, I I know that this is not a, a... And I believe Joseph Nana might not be healthy for this game, right? I think, I'm think i going to double-check on that, make sure I'm not talking out of my ass, but I think be. I saw that he might not be... Could be. Hard um, to say. I know Kobe, Kobe Pace is listed as questionable, if that matters to you at all. Um, but, like, I, I, I don't know. And, and this is not a, not a, a good thing to actually <laughs> pick games on, but, like, sort of like with the TCU thing, eventually the rent has to come due with Clemson from the fact that it has won, like four games that it probably didn't deserve to win, uh, or at least that it, it one of those probably should have gone the other way. The Syracuse game specifically comes to mind, but they could have lost any of those four games against Wake Forest, NC State, Florida State, and Syracuse, and they didn't. And I, I just, I think at some point it has to come around. At some point, somebody is going to win that. You know, they're, they're going to get yeah. the turnover luck, and they're going to pull this off. And I think that Notre Dame is capable of, of doing that, and I think that, honestly, I think that they will. I mean, unfortunately, the funniest scenario is that that happens and it results in a Mac Brown playoff berth. North Carolina goes 12-1. Mm, yeah. I mean, that's the funniest way for oh, it to happen. That would be good, actually. <laughs> that would actually be very funny. I would like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, I mean, also, by the way, Joseph Tata is playing. Okay. And uh, Barrett Carter is back as well. He was concussed uh, mm-hmm. last week. He is now get back and expected to start, which is which is big for them. He's a, he's a stand-up linebacker. Yeah. Um, good player. Uh, I mean, Clemson's defense is nasty. I, I just, I don't know how... T- 
how like we talked about Clemson not moving the ball. I don't really know how Notre Dame moves the ball unless they just scheme up Michael Mayer, which I know you think he sucks. Yeah, uh, that is that is so, a possibility. You can do that. That is a, that is a possibility of a thing that you can do with Michael Mayer. That's sort of their entire offensive game plan. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't feel great about either team scoring in this game, but. I, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking the under on 44 and a half seems like a free bet. Right? Yeah, yeah, and, and of course this ends like 35 to 31 or something because that's that's how yeah. it goes. But yeah, I think that this is low scoring and that it's it's a it's a on the margins game and that Notre Dame just just gets it. Um, most wanted, purely a fun football game to watch. Does not matter uh, at all for either one of these teams. I guess Scott Satterfield could get fired, but does not really matter. James Madison at Louisville on on ESPNU. At 7.30. Just a fun football game. <laughs> just a really fun football game to watch. I don't think that I'll be able to get to it because there is so much happening at the top of the uh, the slate, but if you're not interested in the top of the sport, I think that this is a really fun game just to, to turn on and just enjoy some ball. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's a cool ball game. Um, I don't really have a ton of thoughts on it. I also know we're getting a little late here, so yeah. I may just... Uh... I mean, if you have any thoughts on this one, we can, we can get through it. If not, nope. we can rip on to the next one. Nope. But fun. it's a cool game. Yeah, fun football game. Next, um, next, next one here, here, Wake Forest. At, sorry, Wake Forest at NC State. Um, this is just also a fun game. Obviously, we, we kind of are disappointed in both these teams where they're at right now. Yeah. But uh, still two solid top 25, top 30 football teams um, who are both trying to – we both still have a chance to get to a New Year's Six Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're both still fighting for that. They're both still trying to get to 10 wins this season. Um, it's big for both programs. It's an in-state uh, rivalry. It's in Raleigh. It's at night. It's going to be an awesome environment. Um you know, uh, Sam Hartman just played the worst game of his career. Uh, MJ Morris, NC State's true freshman quarterback, just played a huge breakout game. Uh, the, you know, there's a lot in this game I'm curious to watch. I think you might have a lot of points in this game, despite Wake, despite NC State having a really strong defense. Um, I assume Wake Forest will not turn the ball over eight times this week. I think it's safe to say that won't happen twice. Yeah. Um, but I am otherwise excited to watch this game. Yeah, I think that this is also a really fun one. I, I would uh, I would keep an eye on this one if you can. Again, it's it's going to be tricky with how much is happening at the top. Yeah. But um, Great evening slate, dude. Yeah. Really good games. Yeah, really, really good, especially when we get into the no-fly list, which includes, I think, five more pretty compelling games for, for uh, one reason yeah, or another. Be- BYU... Including a huge rivalry, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that one will... <laughs> <laughs> we'll maybe yeah, gloss I mean, over we'll that see. one. Uh, BYU at Boise State, 7 p.m. on FS2. Uh, BYU is in a serious skid while Boise State has had a ton of momentum that they've built over the last month or so. Interesting, usually a, a pretty uh, physical game, a fun rivalry, interesting to keep an eye on. Houston at SMU, 7 p.m. on NFL Network. It is not anywhere near what we were hoping it would be coming into the season, but still too pretty high-powered offenses could be fun. Um, the winner will sort of remain at least kind of... Uh, the winner, if it's Houston, will remain in the AAC race. SMU is dead, but um, decent enough to watch. A lot of history here. These teams do not much care for each other. Um, I don't expect that you're going to get to see this one a whole lot moving forward either as, as Houston moves to the Big 12. So might be worth keeping an eye on if you, for some reason, want to watch a college football game on the NFL Network. UNLV at San Diego State, 7 p.m. on CBSSN. Uh, both of these teams need this game to stay in the West race. They are both pretty far out of it at this point anyway, but the loser is going to be like completely out of it. Fun styles clash. I think Doug Brumfield might be back for UNLV. He is, it's a different team when he is playing at quarterback. Um, Arizona at Utah, 7.30. Uh, network was yet to be announced when I looked at it and put this together. I don't, I don't know what that means. Probably Pac-12 Network. But um, if not, 
interesting styles class, I guess. I think that Utah might just shut them down, but Utah does not have a great secondary, so it could be pretty high scoring. And then the rivalry that you mentioned, Florida State at Miami, 730 on ABC. Uh, no thank you. Ryan, anything in here catching your eye? Um, I mean, I probably won't watch any of these games. I may flip on Florida State Miami if it ends up being close late, just Oof. because I know there's so much anxiety in this matchup. I know it's a bad football game. I'm not. I'm acknowledging this. Yeah, I think Florida State should win fairly comfortably, but uh, I basically just want to be able to see how their fans are going to react on Twitter, yeah. um, which is always fun. So if somehow these game, other games, all have been blowouts. I think it's unlikely if those that like top four: Bama, LSU, Texas, K State. Clemson, Notre Dame, Wake Forest, North Carolina State. Those games all aren't close somehow. Yeah, um, I'll probably watch Florida State, Miami. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of confused not to <laughs> not to stick too long on Florida State, Miami. Um, Florida State's only a seven and a half point favorite here. I know they're on the road, but like Florida State's good and Miami is really bad. I don't really understand that. It's Florida State's good and <laughs> Miami is like disastrously, hopelessly bad. They have been absolutely fucking awful this last month of the season. Um, really the whole season, <laughs> but like, uh, they can't score. They can't do anything. They took fucking, what was it? Four overtimes against Virginia to get 14 points. Like, and that was not with a touchdown. It was just with field goals and two point conversions. I, I don't understand why this one is being considered like a, a somewhat close game on the line, unless somebody just knows something that I don't like. I, I don't, I feel like Florida state is just going to beat the shit out of them because they're much better. Yeah, just, I mean, I don't know, not to be a corny fucking dipshit radio guy, but rivalry game, put the records out, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Talent's equivalent. Like, sometimes these guys just play different in a game like this. Yeah. Um, I and mean, we just saw we just saw Michigan State, even though they did, obviously didn't win that game, shut down uh, Michigan's red zone offense for an entire night yeah. uh, and hang with Michigan for an entire night. I mean, um, that's probably a generous way to describe the game, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. And you, then, you don't understand what I'm saying. There is, of course, also the underlying storyline here, if you're interested, of uh, you'll get to see uh, otherwise completely nude Mario Cristobal wearing a big adult mm-hmm. diaper on the sidelines. So that's always fun, too. Um, it's an interesting NIL gimmick that he's pulling out, but we're, uh, we're going to see if it pays off. Uh, late night, two games. They're both bad. Guantanamo Bay, Cal at USC, 1030 on ESPN, and most wanted UCLA at Arizona State, 1030 on FS1. I think I'm good. I don't I don't think I need either of these. I think I will uh, pass. I think I'm okay. Yeah, I think I'm going to go have fun with my friends. Yeah, it's ridiculous how bad the nightcaps have been this season. Come on. Got to let's let's really embarrassing. Let's get this yeah. figured out. I mean, guys. I I guess I also, if you want to be uh, uh, generous here, USC is like playing shitty enough on defense they can lose to anyone. Yeah. Um it also would be a classic USC thing to do. Oh yeah. To like lose after no like no one's watching the game everyone finds out the next day that usc lost yeah uh, and their playoff hopes like that's yeah. pretty funny i that, guess that'd be a pretty funny lincoln riley thing to do that would be funny yeah if i had any also, faith I, at all in cal sorry. that would probably be the narrative buster of the week but i yeah I but don't. cal's terrible yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, also usc's recruiting class kind of sucks by the way cool um they were <laughs> they were hyped up to be this yeah i know they're hyped to be the big fucking uh new big dogs in recruiting by certain certain narrative generators. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are currently sitting 13th uh, in the country in the recruiting class. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penn State has a better recruiting average than them. Clemson and Florida have better recruiting averages. Uh, Miami, LSU, Oklahoma, Texas, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, Alabama. Mm-hmm. They're outside the top 10 in both overall class ranking and uh, A&M too, by the way, uh, and overall class ranking and actual uh, recruit ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, Lincoln Riley is... 
He's going. He's just, going. He's going Clay Helton mode. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it's just mid. He's just maybe it's just the program at a certain point. But yeah. anyway, Patrick, we can get out of here. This is an awesome week of college football. I can't wait for it. Yep. Um, it's going to be a good couple of weeknight games. Uh, we're going to get into. We're going to cannot wait for these afternoon evening slates on Saturday though. Um, just going to be locked in. Yep. Go Vols. We'll talk to you all on the uh, on the recap.